Hello, and welcome to episode three of the JRB podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Levine, here with Jeff Jones and Bowden Temnick. Hello. Hey. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> today we're going to talk about the, the YCS events that just finished. That would be uh, the 3v3 in Quito and YCS Utrecht, as well as potentially where the top decks are standing and how they may shift going into YCS Minneapolis and the introduction of Darkwing Blast. So I personally didn't watch a lot of the coverage, and by I didn't watch a lot, I mean I watched basically none. I just kind of checked the, you know, like the deck breakdown and the, uh, you know, deck uh, and the top decks after it was all over. And mm. Keto, I just kind of heard, you know, uh, Furman, Blake, and Asala did get third? Top four. Did they win the third, fourth? I think they got third. Yeah, at, they got third, yeah. Yeah, at, at Keto, so... I vaguely, uh, you know, heard what was going on there, but I don't know if you guys have more information. I'm sure Bowden has a lot more information on the specifics if you want to take it away and break it down. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I, it was I, the I, same for me, where I, I the only uh, match I watched was the finals of the <laughs> European one, so... Uh, I, I, did, I watched that's a, I a couple rounds in Swiss. Um, like, just some notable ones. Obviously, they, they're trying to feature a lot more of the, the innovative decks, and it's, like, kind of a wide format probably not as wide as they they thought considering the top four ended up being you know like four sorry three three rune sprite uh and then just one other sprite uh and then obviously like you had your two elements just spread out and then you know the yachtly is as expected um and then during swiss you know they're putting up uh the what do you call it the legendary fisherman deck like the umi the fish deck and, you know, just, like, six Samurai FTKs. So, like, you would watch it and just think it's a different tournament entirely. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that that was, like, I don't know. It was kind of, like, fun to watch because, like, you're just sitting there like, oh, I wonder if this will top. Like, the tournament's big enough. Um, apparently, they entered a bunch of people into round one that hadn't submitted deck lists. So 300 people that were, like, technically no-shows. Or maybe they did submit it, but they were just no-shows anyway because of, like, apparently travel issues in Europe. Uh, some people missed their flight and like trains got canceled. So people were like either no show for round one. They were in the the country of you know uh, the Netherlands, but they just weren't able to get there, or like their flight just missed entirely. I think Gabriel Netz uh, said that he queued round one into someone from his local area that missed their flight. Uh, so that's mm. kind of funny, right? Mm. Um, and then some other people told us that the beginning of round uh, day two. Uh, so that would, would have been round uh, 10 that their opponent didn't show up. And that was because some people picked the latest train to get there within a reasonable period of time. And that train got canceled, which I thought was just, you know, like, wow. Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like, imagine like getting that destroyed. Um, but yeah, so... Well, if you, if you recall our, uh, our round one of the 3v3 YCS in Vegas, our opponent, so our opponent's team, or like, our opponents didn't show up round one for the three or three in Vegas, if you remember. And it was like people that you yeah. knew and we asked them about yeah. it later. And they were like, our Uber driver just didn't take them to the venue. Like the Uber driver yeah. just like drove around Vegas, like showing them that things kind of stuff is so like crazy, that's just dude. so crazy. <laughs> it, that, that's also just like uh sort of like a, another like guide to like preparing for an, for an event it's just don't. like always expect the unexpected <laughs> yeah don't let your thing. uber driver take like, you on a yeah. tour of vegas <laughs> literally yeah so it's like okay well the event is like at this time like do you want to sleep in like oh, okay and you know everyone ends up getting you know a very poor amount of sleep before an event starts mm -hmm. usually so maybe you should just like not sleep and try and get there early or something <laughs> like I, who knows, that's right? not do not listen to that's not good advice <laughs> Yeah. I mean, getting there early get, is... it's like I think four hours sleep and like oh uh, four hours sleep and like no sleep is about the same thing. Oh my god! <laughs> Stop. Uh, okay, for, for the yeah. record, get there early. Good. Stay up all night. Not good. Please get a reasonable amount of sleep and get to the venue early. <laughs> right, you'll be fine. Oh but yeah. So like, Bo Bowden just yours, poisoning the youth. Yours, uh, so the Utrecht, the, the YCS, that, that ended up, I think, panning out the way everyone sort of expected, just based on, like, testing, because I, I think Tia, uh, was sort Well, not to me and Ryan, because me and Ryan were apparently out of the loop, no, no one was talking to us, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we didn't have any event, like, I guess the Europeans that were, like, 
testing for Utrecht, right? Like, like in North America, like we weren't going to keto, we weren't going to Utrecht. So like, mm. I mean, I wasn't testing with anybody for this event. Like I didn't, because the next tournament I'm playing is Minneapolis, which I have been testing for. And like, yeah, I've yeah, been yeah. testing with Darkwing Blast, right? So I had no idea what was going to happen this oh, weekend. Yeah. Like I wasn't testing at all. You had, you had a lot of like, the, the circles became skewed um, because, you know, there were people who were solely testing Darkwing Blast. There were people solely testing for Pasadena format. Yes, because that would be a different um, format than, like, than Minneapolis. It, 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 exactly. So, like, you just had all of these pockets of, like, obviously you want to help your friends, but it was more related to, um, I think, uh, initially a lot of people were testing, like, tier, trying to see what they could do post-band list. Um, and it became really, really evident that you just couldn't do what you could do before. And what you could do before also had sort of, like, this surprise factor behind it. Where, like, you're kind of doing new things every week, but it's backed by the same sort of, like, if it fails, I do have snow. I do have, like, all of these other things that I've, like, added to the deck. And I think it was just, like, so much more powerful than Sprite that it just didn't make a difference. Um, and that was for, like, most tier variants, right? And then moving, like, into, you know, Keto and, uh, and Utrecht, it was just... Well, what do we put in this deck? Let's put Luna Light cards. You know, you play with the Luna Light cards for a couple games. You just get like all of these like weird sort of pairings of hands. You like play going second into certain boards, and you're just like, wow, like these these cards are terrible. Put the Scareclaw cards in your deck. You sort of find like the same thing, and this is before you have to deal with like all of the cheese decks, like your Exorcister of Flunder and everything else. Is like your powerful deck that just went from like all gas, like just slapping cards down and really only having to worry about like Abyss Dweller or just like a D shift, a cheese deck to like, Oh, I have to worry about everything. Like, you know, like Sprite isn't doing uh, elf code at all. Um, and now it's just doing like the fair thing. It's like, Oh, but you have to worry about that. You know what I mean? Like MST on like tiger randomly becomes an issue. If you're going second <laughs> or something, it, it's yeah. just, it's just really, really silly. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people gravitated towards like the the more conventional sprite decks. Um, well, like con conventional in the sense that like it's literally just like well, sprite card, runic card, and then I, like the text. I right? interject. Um, I think, mm. in my opinion, the biggest difference maker was, and something that we kept saying whenever we would try this deck is that mm. the runic cards were really really bad into snow, right? Mm, yeah. Like you want to use your runic card as your first monster because you want to get a level two so you can spend all summon your sprite cards like you, you don't want to hold your runic cards like you, you can't really do that right like they're at your they're at their best when you play them first and they have to go to the extra monster zone so what would happen 99 percent of the time is you go runic guy to extra monster zone opponent goes okay i'll snow it face down and then you lose yes and without yep. snow there's a lot more room to open up like I think it's really interesting how Toad in its form pre-ban list really strangled a lot of the more fair decks. Or at least that's what we kept saying. Like, oh, without Ronan now it's harder to make Toad. And, you know, now without Toad, the, the mid-range decks aren't going to, you know, are going to have more room. I think it was realistically Snow was the card that was strangling the mid-range decks, honestly. Mm. Like the more fair decks. And without Snow, even though Sprite doesn't have the double Toad line, or like they do kind of, like it's just not as easy, right? Like you need an extra monster. Um they can still do Iperia Cap Shell, where they like Iperia, they, you know, Iperia draw a card, Gigantic Out Cap Shell, make Elf draw a card, bring back Elf, you know, or bring back Cap Shell, make Gin Buster. Then when they detach Gin Buster, Cap Shell draws a card, then they Elf back Iperia, you know, and they draw four cards, and they Runic you, and they draw three more cards, and it's like they draw literally 14 cards, <laughs> you know, or something yeah. like just outrageous. And you're like, and you're sitting there, and you're like, one snow would have stopped all of this you know like yeah, just yeah. just one well, snow <laughs> is all it would have taken in a lot of in a lot of the future matches you would see the uh the runic sprite player just like activate a spell to summon to summon the level two then they would discard a card and get impermed and then they would like set one and pause yeah like that that would happen just so often and i, I was thinking i was like damn like I guess if this resolved, you won the game. And you still don't, like, lose the game, right? Because I'm thinking of all the combinations of cards that, like, 
not necessarily like punish an imperm because like look like you're you're training imperm like one for one and they're not getting to the field so it'd be like sprite like, blue. all you can hope for like sprite blue yeah, exactly. probably be the yeah. card that just you know but you have to imperm the field spell oh, searching yeah. guy or else you just get yeah, obliterated probably pretty, pretty much right yeah if they grow like quick play discard like another rune spell you're, you're gonna get destroyed yeah. I, I think you just like have to go for it right yeah yeah so it's like i think the heavier rune package was like kind of unexpected and that might have been the difference maker for a lot of these decks um like who can really tell i think this format's something that like people aren't really gonna like analyze looking back on because it's done uh, essentially like it's more yeah, or less pretty, finished, pretty much right, right? if, like, if I, darkwing I blast you'll, you'll take doesn't finish it then pass it then magical mavens will <laughs> right yeah, like, yeah, definitely, yeah. or magnificent mavens <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, like, you'll look back on this with maybe uh, some sort of, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but, like, like you'll, you'll take the information from, like, these two events, and if you need to apply it to something in the future, maybe it's, like, related to Runic Sprite or some of the tech cards that they were using. I think the big takeaway is probably, like, the utility of Mannequin Cat um, that a lot of people were sort of just, like, like that's, that's the one thing I'm, I'm looking at, right? Like, moving forward is, like, oh, not necessarily will I have the rune cards in my deck. It's just, like, let's look at the effectiveness of the tech cards that they were, like, sort of, like, using that they weren't using before. So it was, like, the Mannequin Cat in the extra deck with a lot of utility in the side deck uh, where they would just summon Mannequin Cat and you would have the option to summon, like, Thunder King Raya. You'd have the option to summon uh the the turtle which i think is hilarious by the way like that's a card i would always read or something yeah 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 the the, the floodgate turtle <laughs> like yeah. that's a card i would always read oh, and i would think... a lot of people probably don't know what that one is so can you explain oh, that sorry. uh yes yeah, so let me actually get the uh it's, it's the name up it's like te- yeah i will also uh, it's like Tetsuo Ratnumon, right? Yeah, it's funny because I saw the picture and I thought to myself, oh my god, I'm pretty sure I've played that in, like, one of the video games. But I don't know, like, like what, <laughs> like, like why. But it just looked at it I, and I'm I was not like, gonna oh, lie. funny. It's, it's also just, like, <laughs> spelling this card. It is oh, okay, Testudo Eratnumen. And it's a level 1 Numen. Aqua. 1800 defense, 0 mm-hmm. attack. Neither player can special summon monsters with 1800 or more attack. Yeah, so this this card is just like silly, right? But I, I think like it, it, Japan didn't really look at cards like this for whatever reason, and they were more looking for stuff like Chaos Hunter and everything else. Um, I think this card is probably on par with Chaos Hunter in terms of like what you're stopping. I don't necessarily like the idea of Thunder King Ryo because I think it's just like like pretty clunky. Um, Whereas, like, in the rune deck, if you are just playing normal Yu-Gi-Oh, you can, like, draw this level 1 and just summon it. I think, like, summoning Ryo is, like, not as good, maybe, as this in the matchups where, like, you're putting Ryo in. But I, it's something I hadn't really tested. Um, like, obviously, like, Mannequin Cat summon Ryo to block, like, Sprite Blue is kind of ridiculous. But, yeah. Like, I, maybe it's going to, like, condense to the point where, like, you know one card is better than the other and you don't have mm-hmm. to like spread that many spots because like how many times are you summoning mannequin cat turn one and how many times is it resolving like on the following turn and like when is this good if something like tactics is in the format because like you're just triggering cat during you know the main phase one a lot of the time so how is cat going to stack up against fenrir right yeah that, a card that's, that's like, like anticipated one, right? yeah. to be very heavily played so in like a lot of it's decks that it's that and also like i guess you do have the dimension of like more just like generic big guy can sort of float out right post darkwing blast um so it's something to look at so like you're gonna have to sort of like not fall back on the mannequin cat plan maybe uh but it'll depend on like again what people gravitate towards like you could probably take joshua schmidt's deck to minneapolis and have some success but like I, I, to what extent I'm not entirely sure. So that that'll be something interesting to look at. Like you could just summon Chaos Hunter and then block out a lot of the the bestial decks. Could be could be interesting. But then again, like the turtle sort of does that too. So I don't know. It'll be it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. But I, I think that was a big one. And like summon Jowgen or Kaiku, and we really take yeah, it back. Yeah, that also works, right? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> 
you could play Spellbook of Judgment and a small Spellbook package. Nah, I'm yeah. messing with you. Dude, <laughs> ulti Spellbook of Fate is, like, ulti first set Spellbook of Fate is just, like, 100. And I had to look back to figure out when that happened. And no, it was pretty recently. It's just, like, it's, like, 110 on, like, a near-mint copy on TCG. I was just sick. I was baffled. Um, yeah. Well, they've always but been yeah, kind of like, up there, like, Spellbook cards in general. That, no, 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 that's no, been kind of, like, a no, fan like, favorite, fate, fate, like, fate high was, rarity Fate was the one that was just like never expensive. Yeah, that is but true. As long as I can remember, it There's was like always like secrets, secrets and, boy, because like yeah. the generics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After after knowledge, checking... <laughs> yeah. So like, I think secrets doesn't exist in first set, and it's slowly not existing in online. So that's like maybe something if you have like firmware, you should probably like try and get them out. I don't necessarily think they'll be playable at any point in time, but you know, here we are. Um, yeah. so back onto the subject of uh of the whole like text coming out of the weekend I, I i do think like the lava golem and sumo stuff is something we expect from the beginning i know like a lot of our initial testing for runic did have stuff like sphere mode in the main deck because obviously like no battle phase can't really play it can't access zeus like a generic sprite deck would um i think not, a like, big thing that caught on that we didn't think of at the time when we were testing months ago with it was the um the the little cat Oh, a wind-up kitten? Yeah, oh, a wind-up wind kitten. Like, that's yeah. definitely another one, yeah. That, that was and, definitely, and, like, a really good thing. And that that's a big one that helps you, like, mm. get rid of two monsters on a field or, like, use uh, your Lava Golem, then bounce it back to hand so you can Lava Golem again. And mm. uh, that that's definitely a big one, in my opinion, that would lead to uh, Sprite being able to kind of overcome the ability of or that ability but the deficiency of not being able to have a battle phase and clear big monsters yeah, like specifically the runic sprite version like not necessarily yes. like splashing kitten and yeah. sprite deck but like the runic sprite deck that like removal it really struggles for like yeah if you don't have a battle phase putting up toads and not clearing your opponent's field didn't do anything so, so instead I, of I doing that, that yeah that was, just bounce everything that was the biggest problem uh with like the early iteration of like sprite or even just like rune sprite right like, it was so easy to tunnel into, like, how powerful a lot of the cards your your deck had, like, were. Because you'd look at stuff like Diva and, like, Nimble Beaver and stuff like that and be like, oh, this card is just, like, it has to be ridiculous because, like, you were playing into stuff like Snow and everything else, right? Now it's, like, maybe not. Like, maybe, like, the utility is better. And, like, I, I think Wind-Up Kitten did solve quite a lot. Um, and I, I'm glad we sort of advanced to that compared to like where they were at. They were doing stuff like Gale Dogra. I didn't think that was like very, very good. And so I'm glad like in in field testing, you know, that if we look at like uh, the results of Utrecht and, and, and Keto, it's just like you'll see the list sort of standardized to the point of like, no, like you don't you don't need to pay 6,000 life points and end your turn with like eight of them. You know what I mean? Like it, you just now actually do something you know kind of just like conducive to how you view is meant to be played not like you know sitting on egg like treading on eggshells like playing your match because you know you've activated starter and you paid six thousand that was, that was something everyone would talk to me it's like what do you think of gale dogra i'm like i don't think that's that's what you want to be I'll doing like maybe on dueling life points yeah Yes, you start start your turn and you lose to uh, tremendous fire. Like you, you lose to like, Long Yun. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, so uh, I I think like the lava golem sumo stuff uh, obviously solved some problems. Like I think those were there at, like the beginning. Like people sort of played that stuff. I I think another one is like more people realized how good Eradicator was in that deck specifically. That's something I was really surprised about. A lot of people weren't playing that. Um, and the first time I like I saw it was in uh nick ma's deck from the philly regionals i think that's like obviously floating around beforehand but i really enjoyed the utility of eradicator and i felt like the normal sprite deck didn't really get to have that benefit like you know obviously like they were they were able to do like deck debbie and code uh the code breaker buyers swordsman whatever like initially um but like the rune cards making the gigantic 32 at the beginning means that you sort of do have the option of like you know you you can play Eradicator, you can play Trapship, you can play DDD, depending on how the format pans out. I thought that's like that's always kind of cool. Um, and I think that's a big one. If you weren't playing Eradicator, you were never winning the mirror match at all. Um, and I think if Eradicator resolved from maybe Ginkabui or uh, Josh, you would have seen like game two end a lot quicker. Because I think those games just go so long and so wide, and you need blowout cards like that. Um, 
whereas like if you're trading cards like cosmic i still think the game doesn't end quicker like like quick enough uh in like actual gameplay uh because you know obviously like you're trading like cosmic for field and if they're playing multiple fields like it's still gonna bounce back and forth like you're never closing the game because if you activate a rune card you're not entering battle phase and you have and that's basically just like a turn skip yeah exactly because they're not gonna kill you right like you're gonna you guys are gonna be passing back and your guys are gonna be drawing a lot of cards so even if you don't see it turn one somebody's probably gonna see it probably gonna see it eventually something funny something like really really funny every runic card they like every initial runic card they activate like turn after turn essentially just becomes like upstart goblin for the opponent like wabaku for you sort of deal where it's like the game just keeps getting dragged out by like design of the card more than anything else and i think that's just like that's a mirror match i don't want to play so i wasn't really like too sure that you'd see too much rune sprite i think like if i if i played like one of these big events and i made it to like deeper in the tournament and i saw more rune sprite decks i would be kind of sick and i would have been like oh man like maybe we should have had something more ignorant you know what i mean like maybe this should have been like another blowout maybe my eev should have had like a trap trick alongside it or something that would have been something i i like would have looked back on in hindsight and be like maybe this is something that needed to be done because like you saw the finals decided by red resonated i don't think it's like that's not like good Yu gear you know what i mean like yeah it, it doesn't, doesn't had, look like, good for them either like no, for sure, for sure. It's like, I, if there was, like, a blowout eradicator or something, or, like, maybe there was, like, another tech card for the mirror match, that would have been, that would have been really, really interesting. But, uh, no, that wasn't the case, and we sort of just, you know, had to watch them summon Red Resonator multiple times in a, in a game two scenario with, like, 20, oh, there's, like, 15 minutes left on the clock or something. Like, it wasn't even, like, oh, he played slow. It's, like, no, he gained a lot of his life points, like, turn after turn. And, mm-hmm. and both players don't have a know, battle phase, you know, yeah, <laughs> like exactly, for the whole game. Right? Like so, it's gonna so take like, a while. Oh, the the other thing was like Josh, uh, I think banished uh, Jinkabui's Red Resonator off. Uh, he did a off of one of his yeah. runic spells, yeah. Which I think and... is just like a crazy swing. Um, so the the other thing I noticed, like watching that final uh match as well. So this is assuming you know that you can't concede a finals, which is in the in the document for a lot of these like uh tier two or tier three i don't remember what they they changed it to it, it used to be like a tier one and a tier two event and yeah, now, now, I think they now have it's like all different a tier now, three yeah. and something else now, yeah different. so it's like i think um so what happens is if you can never concede game two josh has such an advantage of winning the game one in a timed environment because well dinkabui can't concede for time management because if he concedes he loses the match yeah right correct however josh at any point is free to lose and then start his game three with the you know a life game card, a life game Mm -hmm. card against a deck that just like can't play its engine out uh without skipping its first battle phase so he gets two times to try that and it's just like what's the point you know what i mean like the game was literally decided by who won game one which is like you know funny haha like this is what modern Yu-Gi-Oh has come to but like no 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 like some of the other decks still have like playback you know if you're playing in like an untimed environment or like uh just you know with in testing or something like yeah you know you can win game one and then lose the rest of the match also if it was not a mirror match it might not have yeah 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 pretty much right i think testing with the clock is really important i i did that with um but like did you do you want to sit there and play rune sprite mirror matches like if you're gonna win the if you want to win the ycs i think you have to right like i don't think i i think i think i would try and pocket it in terms of like i'm not gonna play a full match with a mirror match i'm probably only gonna play uh like maybe like a pocket of like game ones identify if there's anything that has like enough overlap knowing that this is like a represented deck right and then maybe try and find the stupid blowout card for game two and three. Um, because I don't think you're going to gain anything from like time management in that matchup specifically, right? Like, I think you just sure. really have to. I'm just to saying, get in general, when you're testing, you should oh, play yeah. a, like at least one match with a clock just to see what's happening. Because I think a lot of people in testing. So I think what used to happen is people used to be like, no take backs like you messed up even in testing people would get really really like sharky because that was like how the game was i don't know how to to explain it and then kind of as the years went on and the better players kind of explained to the masses i guess like 
no no like when you test like you should like allow take backs and you should you know you know discuss like it doesn't matter who wins in testing you know you 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 should both be playing to learn and to be improving yourselves and then maybe to a certain extent that gets taken too far and now people are removing themselves so far from the actual tournament environment that i think it's really important to ground yourself and at least play one match with the clock like in in, oh, yeah. in a long testing session Yes, you should be doing a lot of games where you're doing game ones, you know, siding, you know, like, and like, in in my opinion, the most efficient way usually just to get reps in is do game ones and then like alternate who goes first or whatever, you know, not just, you know, loser goes first, just, you know, alternate going first. And then just for time management's sake, if you're playing with physical cards, like side for going first and your opponent sides for going second, and then just play a bunch of games where you go first. Then switch your opponent sides for going first, then you side for going second, and play a bunch of games like that. And then when you both have a good idea of what you should be doing in the matchup and what you're, you know, planning, play a timed match to give yourself an actual idea of how a tournament would play out. And how you know, and so as you so you can learn how to maybe manage your time more more correctly, then you can go back to playing as you were with the idea of like, okay, so the match, you know, like this match that we played went 38 minutes it was a pretty average match by the standards of what we've been playing maybe i need to adjust for that or like oh this match was really quick like we had a bunch of blowout cards and the match was over really quickly like and you can kind of go go from there but i think if you never take the clock into account you're definitely going to have a lot more scenarios like this right mm-hmm. well that that's like the other sort of thing where it's like yeah you can get by on theory alone and some people undervalue the experience of actually just like playing a locals with a deck yeah. maybe before a large event. And I, I, I've been, I've been down that track before as well. Um, if I didn't play uh, like random locals leading up to oceanics, I definitely wouldn't have realized like, Oh, like how, how relevant it is to just like factor in time and like how people are still like very new to like certain cards you know what i mean like it's just like your average player at locals is usually going to be like close enough to your average player at a wise in the early i don't know why and well like no just like in general though i don't i don't even know like how you would refute it because like these are all generally the same people no locals is going to be that soft that it's not going to translate to like your tournament experience at a wide ceiling like i'm I'm bursting soft people into like the last round of uh Oh, I see. Yes, you know, it, it just doesn't make a difference. Like, <laughs> you, you'll you'll know, like, even just like watching some of the people that you think are like really, really good, myself included. It's like you can make mistakes. You can just have like a long day. Games can sort of just like be decided by people messing up a lot. <laughs> so, I, I I still value like obviously not basing my entire testing on that. Or like I'm gonna assume like the general player base is gonna play the same way as my local players because that's like what we what what do we call it inbred testing right yeah same sort of thing you just take all of the variables and I I think like you can't like you said you you either do it at home with a clock on dueling book or something or try and replicate the experience as best you can and how how best can you do it without you know actually playing a tournament it's like no you just have to play a tournament yeah probably <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess think, we can, I think that, that cut should cover the wise. We can move on from Runic Sprite. I guess yeah. unless Jeff, I unless you have a final anything thought. else, right? Uh, no, Nothing I mean that really was popped up. Yeah, no, I, I think it's okay to, to move on to the the next little subject mm. of um. Or we talk about Minneapolis glass. now, or yeah. Dark, yeah, and, and I yeah. think um I think the big ticket one is the Bishop cards, right? I think that's the I think that's the big. I mean, like I guess we can kind of break it down into. Right support, tier support, bistrals, and Kostri law. Most specific, more specifically, Fenrir. Fenrir, yeah, yeah. like most for for now, Fenrir specifically. But and I think it's like so. Tier got a couple cards. Sprite got a couple cards. Um, and I think, in my opinion, maybe with the exception of like Snow is kind of an irreplaceable card. I think this reminds me a lot of new challengers. Uh, by that I mean we had the top deck, Shadal and Burning Abyss, and some people might argue Stellar Knight, but I will not. Uh, so the top deck, Shadal and Burning Abyss, and then new challengers came out. And what decks got new cards? 
just the, just the only two decks that were already good, right? You know, and we got yep. Virgil and we got, you know, like the new Shadal cards like El Shadal Fusion. And now we're looking at this and we're like, we have Sprite Sprint and we have uh, Rule Colors. Oh, we also got the 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 Clyfort card. Oh, yes. And yeah. Yeah. Which I guess there isn't really like a Clifford, like pure, like, like, like a deck equivalent in this one. But yeah. No. Um, and yeah, so so we're just looking at the top decks getting getting stronger. And I, I don't know how much I like that dynamic. You know, I, I I don't think I don't think it's very interesting when just the good decks get even more tools. But what do you guys yeah. think about that? Well, that's just a, a case of like these decks are already like too good. But I think the cards that have come out are more generic than I'd like to give them credit for. Um, what do you so like, like, such as what? Well, I think I think sprint like well. I think the sprite well, card like, is so generic that it doesn't matter, oh, yes, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> any sprite card you print, unless it literally says, like, your deck can only contain, like, level 2 yes, thunder unless or something. It's, and unless it's literally you are now locked to thunder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unless it's a literal dueling skill. You may only activate this card if your deck contains 22 yeah. thunder monsters. <laughs> Just so, like, something yes. ridiculous like that. I don't think it matters. Like, you're, you're past the point of no return. I think tier is probably, like, the only thing that sort of it ignores that to an extent so it's like obviously like well tia was already just like ridiculous it's like yeah let's give them like an even better fusion let's like make high spirits like marginally better as well i don't know if it's mad like better i haven't really tried well, i mean you don't well. now you don't need to play the brick in the extra deck like yeah you know yeah. now like i meant more for Cartesia because like the sure. The Lulu is just going to be in your extra deck regardless. Of course, right? yeah. It just yeah. doesn't doesn't really make a difference if you play high spirits or not. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, like I, I think it's just more like by design. I think if a if a ban list hit, it would be more generic cards. Like, probably like ignoring Lulu. Well, ban list um, a week ago. I, I don't know. Well, no, <laughs> I don't like, know what like, you mean. No, like like a, like a like an actual ban list. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you go. You go. What I mean. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. that was something I actually uh, meant to bring up um, when we were talking about uh Utrecht that i that i forgot kind of slipped my mind as you were talking is um the decks that got you know because we, we we mentioned okay they hit ronin toten and they hit snow but they also just mm. hit fiber and chaos ruler so what that means is that the other decks in the format you know like what little pocket of them even existed kind mm. of disappeared right so i think that could be a bigger contributing factor as to also why top cut was just four sprite variants is like well you got rid of punk and you got rid of all the fiber combos. Mm. What's left? Tier and sprite. All the sprite lost and yeah. all the tiers lost in top eight. Now we have, you know, now we have sprite and that's it. I I think as well, um sort of comes back to like your card quality in the tier deck, right? It's like we went from really, really good deck with snow right like yeah. just very uninterrupted just does what it does sure. to like oh okay we know what tia does now let's do this and then tia sort of adapted to that and then it's like oh wait hold up ban list uh now you have to play a worse deck right and now we have that one event or like two event series out of the way of like yeah you're like worse quote-unquote worse tia deck like it's still doing ignorant stuff but like objectively i, I think it's, it's worse in a tournament setting is now just going to get better for no reason at all. It's just like, hey, you know, here's a new set. Here got support, blah, blah, blah. Throw it in. And then a week after that, or a week and a half, is it? Yeah, it's like a, a, week, a yeah. week and some change. Yeah. Um, here's here being the best deck. It's just like, oh, well, it didn't matter what you hit. And maybe you just didn't have to hit Chaos Ruler and Fibrax, knowing full well that, like, here is just going to be the you know the perceived best deck anyway in three weeks regardless and like you could have just had a more wide format like who's putting punk cards and chaos ruler in there a shizu deck who's doing any of that to be honest like it's probably mm -hmm. just irrelevant they probably could have just kept those cards and it would have been fine and then you might have seen it like not a healthier sort of format for like the next month but it would have been a little bit more interesting for sure like, I, I think they hit cards that should have been hit a while ago versus like something else that, that, that's probably a different topic of discussion yeah but um so sprite and tier getting support and then i think you're right i actually think saying like sprite sprint is sprite support is like not even 
it's pretty disingenuous. Yeah. It's just game Yu-Gi-Oh again dumb combo support. <laughs> what Road of the King has that made me giggle every time I read it. It was just Riot fell off in Japan. That every extra deck has gigantic elf and sprint. Literally like, every yeah. single one. <laughs> every single one had gigantic elf and sprint. Disgusting. And I was just like, Absolutely huh. Disgusting. If there was one level two monster in their deck, they had gigantic sprite and sprint. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like I I think when you're talking about sprite cards being too generic, I I think if you were talking about just like the extra deck cards, absolutely. Like I don't think sprite blue mm-hmm. is too generic, but I definitely think all the extra deck cards are like probably a little oh, yeah. a little too easy to make. Maybe so. Okay, this is gonna sound like this is just like I send this to somebody because they only respond to buzzwords. Like if I try to explain <laughs> a logical thought, they don't know what's going on. But if I send them buzzwords, they go, "Oh wow, that's crazy," and I go, "Yes." I said, Sprite Sprint is just new fiber or mm-hmm. new Anaconda. And by that, I mean in in a deck that played to Anaconda or a deck that played fiber, for example, like maybe like a Sword Soul deck that played Fusion Destiny or like any sort of, you know, like adventure, uh, you know, like combo deck that played fiber. You would just need two monsters or mm-hmm. a monster plus a tuner and you could do everything like in Sword Soul. In that, in like the Sword Soul Fusion Destiny deck, Nibiru was one half of an Anaconda. If you went second, like if you went second and you Nibiru'd them, then you went summon Moye and they hand trapped you. Okay, make Anaconda with Moye and Nibiru. Like what? Like why? You know, mm-hmm. like like why is that? Like w- like what is that? You know. And then similarly, you know, in like in like an adventure tier deck or you know like like the Eldritch like Cyburst deck, it's just like. Just like it doesn't matter what you have, it's just all so generic that it's so hard to stop you because whatever your deck was doing, whatever your main combo in your deck was trying to achieve, if you can just put a level two monster on the field, you can just go sprint or elf, and then it just now you can just pivot into a different combo entirely. And everything your opponent did to stop you is now made completely irrelevant. Yeah. No, I can I can agree with that. And I think, I think that's it's what like, happens whenever we get generic extra deck cards like this, yeah. right? It, it's it's a big oversight. Like, can we even look at it as like an oversight? It's like, no, that was probably their intention. To be honest, like, do we do uh, we really think that that was their like, intention? Do they think that like I mean, what I mean by that is like is like in your element, right? Like they're just doing whatever you you know you know like you DD crow like when Hobnus tries to activate, maybe like you imperm kick Kalos, then they just like. Mm make dark like take your dd crow you know use dark and dd crow to make sprint because dark is is, is a link to send merlin mm-hmm. like make you know like rule Kalos. it's like was that intent like is that what's supposed to happen you know you know what i mean like is is that oh, like yeah. like I, I i guess maybe from hmm. from a, a law perspective potentially <laughs> but that's neither here nor there yeah. like who, who knows you can't really you can't really tell sure <laughs> konami is too uh too dangerous I know. Do we want to look at like the sleeper decks coming into Minneapolis? I think there's like Naturia? maybe one or two. Maybe uh, I don't know enough about the deck to talk about it, but I know that, that one's it's more relevant post after Maiden. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's sure. the Maiden cards to mill. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, because uh, it's it has a lot to uh, like getting going in the current like version of Kia. Um, even when you add in like the new cards like Scream and everything else, I, I think it's still like kind of lacking stuff but when you get to uh have like the really ignorant you know like you know, the the ishizu hand trap level of like this card just interacts on either time i think it really can push that deck a little bit further ahead but i don't think it's better than uh like a normal ishizu tier deck which is the other issue and i don't think it's like better than like a, a bestial sort of like heavier deck into that deck you know but it, yeah. it's, it's something interesting. It, like maybe if the format uh, doesn't pan out the way we think it does, and it's a little bit more broad, then I think the Naturia cards could definitely have a spot as like a medical. But for right now, it's something I'm not really looking at. Might disregard it for a while. Yeah, I think it's, it's funny fun. that we mentioned Naturia before the other deck that came in this, and that was the Draco Slayer Pendulum. Pendulum. Oh, yeah, I that, forgot that deck even existed. I don't know why you mentioned Naturia. I was literally going to talk about because I like the that Draco deck Slayer. too. I know I like that yeah, deck I too. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why I 
Anyway, yeah, so, go ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, obviously, we talked about like these really generic good cards like uh, Fenrir and the Bestial, and Bestial obviously are heavily uh, geared towards stopping uh, tier limits in this format. And if people want to lean into the Bestials, uh, not only are this is the sprite deck pretty immune to those cards, but so are the pendulums. And uh, with the Draco Slayers, you are also able to make a Bistweller, which is good against, obviously, Tier Limit. And with their new monster, Magic Pegasus, allows you to search your deck for any field spell you want. Uh, so you can grab things like Mystic Mine or Necro Valley. And Necro Valley mm -hmm. will shut off the tiers. Uh, or Secret Village, yes. Yeah. And Secret Village, guess what that'll do? That'll shut down the uh, the Runic cards. Mm -hmm. So um, I I think that is 100% a sleeper deck because it is resistant to a lot of the uh, popular cards I think we're going to see, as well as having cer the searchability of these cards that shut down decks entirely. Um Obviously, the one downside to this deck, I think, is it lacks a lot of, uh, like, strength in, like, the power department. Its fields, like, aren't that intimidating. It's trying to just set up, like, these kind of little fields and uh, prevent you from playing for one turn and then just kill you with ig summoning Ignister a uh, hundred times and spinning all your cards and attacking. Um mm. Not not to say that like it, it can't make fields. It mostly it they're just not as crazy as toad and trap hand trap thing. It's just like a rank eight, a rank like four. Literally the same thing Pendulum has done for the Forever. last like yeah. however many years, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like he is a he is a herb harbinger. He is like an abyss dweller or something, right? It's like very very steady, very generic. But like like you said, like the benefit is it doesn't play into the you know the suite of DD curves that people are just throwing into that deck, right? It's like the the whole thing. It's just a deck that doesn't really care about those cards while also having the ability to summon Dweller and then having some form of interaction with Sprite. That's like that's like a big thing to look at, would you say? Like moving forward, at least for like Minneapolis in, in that sort of pocket. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Absolutely. Um So on, I, on that note, do you think the Rika deck could be like, obviously, now it's, well, like, we can never truly say it fell off. I just think it's, like, very underrepresented, even though we did see it have results in, mostly in Europe. I think maybe you saw one top Niagara or something. But that's another deck that doesn't have any light or darks, right? It's, like, the whole thing. <laughs> so maybe that's a deck that you could look at as well for, like, a potential medical. Um, doesn't really play into too many trends. Might be something interesting. Uh, obviously pre-Ashizu, because I feel like Ashizu just sort of ignores a lot of those medicals, but maybe for Minneapolis, like, if you're not comfortable with any of the new cards, I don't know why you wouldn't be. I think they're all, like, pretty good and pretty fun. Yeah. But you could fall back on something like Rika, and it doesn't play into any of the, the common trends, except maybe, I guess, like, Lava Golem, Sphere Mode, maybe. Uh, so it gets to play the ignorant cards, like Rivalry and all of that stuff, so... That could be something to look at. I don't think this podcast will be posted before Minneapolis, so if you're hearing it then, uh, it'll probably get posted Friday. Yeah, I think yeah, it'll be Friday, uh, so it'll be the day, a day before. Yeah. No, let's just post it now. <laughs> but yeah. Um. So yeah, so that's what we're sort of looking at now, right? Like, just decks that don't play into like the hive mind trend of like, hey, put a bunch of bestials in our deck. Let's play the deck that gets destroyed by the best deals like the least, or has like the most high power output to offset your opponent summoning summon skull and banishing your card, right? Mm -hmm. Sort right. of like where we want to be at. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess. So, uh, the... oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. No, oh, I was gonna say. Well, you go first because you might say the same thing I was gonna say. Just go ahead. No, no. I was just gonna say. <laughs> I, I guess going into this, you just want to look at th this so when it comes to sprites before this people probably would have said oh like standards kind of sprite was the best version of sprite mm. but now if you have the uh the, the runic sprite deck it gets kind of weird simply because now the deck ha if it's heavily sided against 
what what do you do? Do you play the deck and expect to get heavily side against? So you can do things like side like three Cosmic Cyclone and Eradicator, and Cosmic Cyclone deals with the field spell very well. And if they aren't generating cards every turn, um, that's really the big thing because they're not going to be attacking you. Um, mm -hmm. And so does that mean you go back to a kind of uh, regular sprite deck with uh, hand traps and like these new cards and just kind of go for this this grindy thing and then or do you just ignore it all and try to build some super powerful tier deck that go plays through all these cards people are trying to get through let's say you do like oh let's say you go back to the um the danger monsters and just kind of just throw as many cards out as possible into your opponent. And no matter how many bisteds or whatever they have, you still have a play. Um, so what, what, what do you think about that? What do you think is going to be the, the way to go for the, the mass population of, of Yu-Gi-Oh players? What do you think is going to happen? I, I like to look at it from the, the perspective of if you don't know any better, it's most likely more beneficial to you to stick to what you know instead of just diving straight into the deep end if you're just like the average player, right? So I think if people follow that, which they usually should because I think it's beneficial to like the average player more often, then you might sort of just see very close to what we saw at Utrecht maybe with some slight adjustments um like i said like probably gonna look at more of like can you get away with mannequin cat more than anything and then approaching like rune sprite maybe a little bit more um but then obviously from like the top end i honestly couldn't really because I, I don't think one is distinctly better than the other when it's still very undefined and I think that's that's like the biggest problem we saw out of like Euros as well. Um, so yeah, I, I I think at like a mid level for like the general population, you'll probably just see more people gravitate towards Rune Sprite by default because it's pretty much defined at this point. It's just the text slots you get to flip around with. Like maybe you just play Rune Sprite with like the the best deals, right? And just that's it. Like, you, you trade your Lava Golem spot for the DD Crow spot because they're new shiny cards. And then just the one thing that I do want there. to point out is that I don't think that the Rune Sprite is a very forgiving or easy deck to play. Yes, I agree completely. And oh, I think that's also why hard. you saw two very good, well-known players yes. in the finals with it. Very, some of the um, most accomplished players, really. Like So, uh, if... 100%, like, when I was playing this deck before, I was like, oh, hmm the order you play your cards in like which ones you throw away uh when to activate them the order you put them in the bottom of your deck um it just being able to like manage certain things it and also account for the fact you're not going to have a battle phase it, it's a hundred percent is not a, for, a forgiving deck one thing go, can go wrong and that that that's it if you misplay one thing a lot of the times it, it it's over uh especially well, you if also you're... have to queue into the mirror match right and then that just seems like a headache right. for the average duelist but... right uh, yeah what i was going to get to next is then you get to the mirror match which we saw on stream is com uh, it's, it's it's awful um yeah that no one attacking trying to gain life points or mill the opponent out um it, it's 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 pretty bad so that's another thing as well is if you're going to play this deck are you going to play it well and are you going to be able to play the mirror match well and be okay with having to play against the mirror because i know i would be miserable i don't know about you guys but well so i haven't really thought about it however i will say my jam was the spiral mirror where you just literally pass for the first four turns of the game so i so i can't say definitively if i would if I would like or dislike That's something the you can re really do when decks are drawing two extra, two or three extra cards per turn. No, no, but... I, I, well, no, I'm, I'm just saying that when you're talking about like, you know, like in terms of like not a whole lot going on, you know, or, or it's like very like slow. Don't, don't, don't pass the, the, the sprite runic mirror. Oh, yeah, that's not, don't, don't do that. Yeah, that's not what I was oh, saying. Yeah, yeah, I was saying in terms of, in terms of mirrors where they're like 
very very like weird compared to like previous games like like you know uh literally one, one of the like defining plays in the spiral format was both players pass until one of you discards master plan for hand limit like that was like a real mm-hmm. thing <laughs> like you know because if you put any cards in the field your opponent kills it with tough and kills you or like if you summon a monster you get reapered and like it just ugh, i don't know um but yeah so i agree with you it doesn't sound like the the most appealing mirror match in the world but generally in Yu-Gi-Oh, i think mirror matches tend to be less fun than anything else anyway with some exceptions i, I guess but i genuinely I, find them to not be as fun i would agree and it always irks me when people say like oh i like one and two deck formats it's the mirror matches are skillful well, sometimes well, I, the mirror matches are sometimes. i would say that might be true for past formats but i don't think that's really true in current Yu-Gi-Oh because too much goes wrong with losing the die roll mm-hmm. yeah like i, I, I like, like the necros mirror I liked everything has mirror. to have like an equal power level if you have multiple decks i think because when multiple decks are too powerful and you have to fo- like you can never focus enough on like one aspect sort of what we've seen in like yu gi for the last like maybe year or two right where it's just like here's a bunch of very viable decks they all do distinctly different things i don't have enough cards that can overlap and yes. you take a concession against a certain deck and just pray you don't burst it in a tournament Whereas before it was like, oh, hey, MST, pop a card, cool. That was literally it. Now it's just like, yes, MST, pop a card, but only in this matchup and only if my opponent's wearing a hat. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I honestly think maybe 2015 was the first time that I think really the decks got strong enough that like generic cards just got pushed out of the game almost mm. entirely you know like you really didn't see like m like mst was in the main deck of literally every deck ever until necros came out probably like probably right yeah like i can't like literally i can't think of because every deck had a trap card in it no matter what you know mm-hmm. and now and now well, we like, reports like think, that just doesn't happen think about like 2014 when people were main decking cards like wiretap and yes. seven tools. Yeah, i know like yeah. that's crazy that is me. crazy <laughs> like that that i i had like wiretap in my deck knowing full well that like infernity and and mermail were just like they existed <laughs> or you had uh you had like sylvan right but like again like those are still like relative setup decks like looking at like them compared to like modern Yu-Gi-Oh! obviously it's like yeah they're combo but like they're only combo half the time like sylvan would set the mushroom and pass sometimes uh yeah. would, and like, if that mushroom resolved it was really scary that thing was sick dragon yeah, like, would summon curry bandit half the time right like they just curry yeah. bandit set a Actually, back row you know what Syl- sylvan would also do that which yeah. is equally funny uh-huh like long long gone <laughs> i just like every every time a deck comes out I'm like can i summon curry bandit in my two element deck i'm like mm, probably not you know like probably wouldn't get me anywhere who knows Do you know some people were playing that in uh in the rune deck like in the what? not right playing it in, they were like, playing pure rune they were playing the curry deck. bandit yeah someone someone also posted a list of like uh it was like paleo Terelement, not rune but it was like paleo tier with like bandit rise to full height and like all of those sort of cards so like you would just do a lot of your stuff in the end phase anyway obviously like if you hit a, a like a name shaw like it's probably not as good as it would be if you like just did the normal combo but you would get enough value and then have like essentially a turn skip from either like rise to full height or your opponent's uh rune card that seemed kind of funny that that seems like a deck that would probably have like good enough playback into like the rune sprite deck just like a deck with a bunch of cards like that where it's like you can never kill me and i get to load up a bunch of free cards and use really powerful traps like that's something i i think we probably will never see enough of uh like if this format ran a lot longer you could definitely see something funny like that sort of play back at the sprite uh rune deck could be could be interesting but obviously you know uh, we don't live in a in a perfect world and all of these powerful cards are coming out and the paleo dream is dead so. yeah um the last thing i kind of want to talk about is fenrir 
specifically in the context of the runic matchup because the more i think about it the more i think about that card um mm -hmm. the more it makes me think like there will be scenarios where you'll be playing against the runic sprite deck right you summon fenrir they go quick play spell pop it and then fenrir does nothing right and then in literally every other situation fenrir will destroy their entire life you will attack, you will banish their field spell face down, and the game will be over. And, like, you will just be so far mm. ahead. Like, because if, if they have to use, like, like uh, what is it called? Freezing Curse, the one that's just, like, a chalice. It means yeah, they have to bad. deal with it next turn. You know? Like, it'll just be there every turn. And, like, they'll, they'll have to keep doing that. And it will just make their life very, very difficult. Um, you know? Or they just have the 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 Smashing Ground one, and it just, just dies. But I just feel like there are a lot of instances where Fenrir will just summon... Search on their copy, attack over something, banish your field spell. And like the game just ends. Yeah. Like that's just so hard to deal with, right? Or or at least it's slow. Like the runic sprite deck is already a slow deck. So when so mm. when a, so so when one card like that just pushes them back so far and sets them so far behind, it's really hard for them to come back, I think. But I don't know how often that situation will happen. Like, what do you think about that card into that matchup? Like, is it a tool that you think will be really important for that matchup? Or do you think like It'll just be kind of a nuisance, but like not really get that far. I just That's think just it's like overall just like a decent card in general. There yeah. are much worse cards you could have in your deck against that deck and than that card. That's that good level of overlap, right? Where I think like this card is generic enough that it might fill multiple roles, whether in the main or side. So like it having some application against like the rune sprite deck is probably really good going into minneapolis when you don't know what everyone's doing right so that that's just like something you have to look at where it's like when you're when you're like in the deck building process for that event specifically where nothing is defined after a new set this is the kind of card you definitely want to gravitate more towards because of that extra utility into the rune matchup where it's like whether it's last week's flavor of you know flavor of the month, flavor of, you know, power of the elements format. I think this, this is probably, like, not that crazy in the grand scheme of things. If the format develops, it might, like, fall off. But I think for this weekend, it's probably a card you'll see in everyone's side, at least. Something something at, like, else. A, like, a minimum. Yeah, some, something else that I kind of thought about. I, I actually have a lot of thoughts on Fenrir, mm. about how I didn't quite like it, and now maybe I like it a little bit more. Um, and I kind of just want to run through them rapid fire and get your, and, and get your opinion on them. Mm. So the first thing I thought about Fenrir. When I was really, really tunnel visioned on, I'm going to play a Trialman deck and not try anything else. Um, mm -hmm. I think Fenrir is very poor in the main deck of Trialmans because it has to be your first action, right? Like you have to summon it while you have no monsters. And then it puts a monster on your field. So now all of your opponent's Bistrals are live. So it defeats the whole purpose of all of those cards that try to play around Bistrals by trying to use tier elements before you have a monster on the field right so it plays really poorly into bistrals or rather like it just it just turns them all on um and then when going second if you get like if if you if you get bistraled or like you summon a fenrir and then you like get bistraled or something or like they summon a bistral monsters on their turn because they're just playing like a bistral deck right and they just like summon bistrals on their turn one um summoning fenrir is smaller than, than a bistral it's 24 and bistrals are, yeah. are, are, are 25 and the argument is well you attack and banish one that's terrible <laughs> like that doesn't that doesn't you know fenrir attacking and banishing a bistral doesn't do anything you know like that's that's pretty bad so i think it i think it plays poorly into bistrals going second and first in the tier element deck um then on on the flip side in other decks i think it actually quite plays quite well especially against the runic decks because your first action is a fenrir right and i'd say right now nibiru is not really in the format between gigantic sprite and rule kalos and the runic deck being so popular nibiru is not really a card you can main deck i don't think like i don't think you would main deck it i think it's very very poor in the main deck against most of the decks right now so yeah. probably not in the main deck so your first action is Fenrir, you start playing, you start playing, you summon all your guys, right? Like maybe you're playing Tier, maybe you're playing Sprite, you summon a whole board, right? So let's say you've even like, even you're maybe even playing like like a like a Runic Sprite deck and you've got Elf and Gin Buster and something else and then Fenrir. And they have a Lava Golem. 
you've now made your board so wide because Fenrir is just one additional point of interaction. Lava Golem no longer cleanly takes out your whole field because you have too many guys. Like, you went too wide. Mm -hmm. So I think those are interesting points for Fenrir and against Fenrir, against how decks are, like, built currently and how I think they're trying to match up into the Vistral cards. But what do you think about that? I, I think that that's the interesting thing about this card, whereas, like, people like to... Well, like myself included i i looked at it as like pancreatops but it's just like you no know, as you mentioned like it's just another layer on top of an end board if it is in your deck right like it it, it just it i think just it's better going first than going better. second yeah which exactly, is unfortunate right? like, that this, i think this that card doesn't like play yeah. into a board I, I think the battle phase is still like this is funny to say when, you know, Rune Sprite exists or, like, just Rune exists in general. I think the battle phase is still very important, right? Like, skipping a battle phase in the Rune deck is, like, whatever. But, like, in this one, having to, like, click BP to sort of, like, get the mileage out of it might just not be enough. Like, maybe into, like, Elf or something, this card is just, like, pretty well positioned going second. But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think this card is very good. I need to play with it more to give you a definitive answer. I think I Jeff has probably played with it more than both of us, so he can probably he can yeah. cover, you know. Go on, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was all I had to say. Yeah. What specifically? That I was have a, played that, Fenrir that more than you guys. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree that Fenrir is. I don't think it's bad going second by, by any means. Um, because it's just a card that immediately has to be dealt with. The one thing I did come up when playing with it is that, and we didn't talk about it earlier, is that Sprite gets a new trap card, and I think it's insane. Uh, Sprite Double Cross. Yeah. And it basically allows you to either absorb any monster your opponent controls or is in their graveyard to an Xyz monster you control, or you can take control of that monster from the field or graveyard to one of your link monsters uh, zones it points to. Um, so I have been searching that card with sprites more than the uh, the quick play spell. Mm -hmm. Um the smashers yeah. uh, because it also kind of acts as a way to uh, disrupt the graveyard as well so if your opponent activates a tier monster you can just take it from the graveyard and then it just like you dd throat it but you also got to take it um, on top of that it makes it so if they summon a Fenrir you immediately just take their Fenrir and now your Fenrir works for you yes um, <laughs> yes he uh, works for me now <laughs> correct uh, so uh I, I don't think it's terrible going second, but that was something that started happening a lot. I was like, holy crap, now I'm up against a Toad and a two double Toad and my Fenrir. You just can't do anything. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, going for first a again, gun. Going first, again, it's a, a body that replaces itself as well as a form of interruption. Um, and it just, I think it's on top of the fact that after the next set comes out, uh, I think the Kastari, whatever they are, cards, that new boss monster they get is absolutely absurd. Um, Would you say the Fenrir double-crossed you? Yes, Fenrir 100% double-crossed me, and it, it I, made me I hate very <laughs> upset. <laughs> Anyways. Um, it, it, it's just a card that, for a generic just summon whenever it does it does a lot and we don't have a lot of those just kind of generic any deck can use this card does a lot type yeah. of thing i um, i know we say this um like a good chunk when we talk about cards that come out of japan um i think this card with maxi just seems kind of silly right like this is just a card that counters their maxi it gets under maxi but when you have maxi yeah like when you have no, but I mean, like it counters it in the sense that, like, you're just generating a, a point of interaction before even committing into maxi, which yeah. doesn't happen too often. And then, like, when you are able to summon this and even just like pass back to their interaction, like whether it be like imperm, whatever, on like your actual play, and then have your own maxi, I think just like this card being so free makes it maybe a little bit more silly in like most of the japan formats even just ignoring a shizu like it, it just seems like so well-rounded and then it just also probably plays into the whole like wow i'm glad maxi is banned in tcg 
that would just be toxic. It doesn't. Like, whatever you just have cards that just ignore that entirely. Of, like, doesn't beat Mystic okay, Mine. Because it yeah, needs it to it attack. Really doesn't, huh? <laughs> yep. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, oh god. Oh well. What if my opponent activates Mystic Mine and chains DD Crew, so I could banish their uh? No, Mine. it still wouldn't, because then on a new chain, Mystic Mine would resolve, and then you couldn't activate Fenrir. It's not a quick... It's a trigger effect. It's a trigger effect. Yeah, it, yeah, it happens after the card resolves. Uh, yeah. If it was a quick effect... Yeah, yeah, yeah imagine realize that at first. Yeah. If it was a quick like, effect, ooh. Fenrir would be the best card ever printed, and I guarantee you, at the YCS, you will have at least three opponents that will try to chain... So, for those of you who don't know, how Fenrir works, because it is a trigger effect, not a quick effect, is if your opponent activates... Is it a monster effect? That that's what Fenrir triggers on, right? Yes, your opponent uh, any, yeah, a monster effect anywhere. Or, yeah, if yeah. your opponent or activates it, a monster effect. Attacks. Yeah, if your opponent activates a monster yeah. effect, it's so a true Draco is a quick effect. So a true Draco will just chain directly to the effect and will activate the card from the deck or search it or whatever. Mm. Fenrir is a trigger effect, so it will wait until the entire monster effect has resolved. Then on a new chain, Fenrir can activate. Um, so. If you if your opponent has a Fenrir and you summon I don't know Firefist Bear, <laughs> I can literally come think of, and activate effect to pop their Fenrir. Fenrir doesn't chain and then banish your card. Yeah. If Fenrir is removed from the field by the chain, it will not or negated you know on the chain, it will not be able to banish something. So. I when I because like it can't be a quick effect because it also triggers like when it attacks like it's a whole thing right um, yeah yeah that, that, like, that's that just makes a lot yeah sense. I, I sort of tunneled and looked at it and like obviously cards that are quick effect now just say quick effect yes, anyway yes cards yeah. that are quick effects like that now will say quick effect on the card um mm. so yeah uh, I guarantee you at the YCS at least one of your opponents that has a Fenrir will try to use it wrong and it will be a whole judge call and uh, yeah I that's just that's how it works <laughs> so it's also interesting to note that like uh so this this did come up uh with like a little bit of testing that i was watching last night and it's it, it's like it's interesting now because like i was i was half awake when i was thinking about it but no like this card can be chain link one and there might be an instance where like you're able to like take something off the board before it, it itself is able to like trigger or do something i guess it's like Trying to think of where it would be relevant, what do you, but like what do you probably mean? few and far between. Uh, well, like the because it is a trigger effect, like maybe it's able to proc as chain link one. It still targets, right? It just doesn't make a difference. Like it's not gonna. Uh, I think so. It, it does target, yeah. So like it's not like non-targeting. Like you remove like a a kit colossus on board before it's like able to trigger in a new chain. No, that's never. But, but yeah. more to no it, exactly, but like. If there is an effect that is like, oh, you know, this card has to remain face up or something ignorant, like you can get caught out where if this triggers on like your turn, your turn player, and it'll trigger before their trigger effect can go off. Like, who knows, right? Like that that that's like the little relevant like trick behind like some of the the cards that have like trigger effects, where it's like your turn player and like two trigger effects will go off and you'll go chain link one and they'll go chain link two. Like so... it's your opponent's turn. You have this on board, like they'll go chain link one you'll go chain link two with this right like that's the the little thing you sort of also have to remember i think a lot a lot of people will like mess up this card itself i can't lot. think of an example where, where what you're talking about is relevant with the current cards off the top of my head but neither, i think i get neither what you're can saying I, but it, 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 could, it could be a thing sure right? who, who knows right yeah yeah something something more yeah yeah, I, like quite quite literally Ghost Mourner, yes. This is just Ghost Mourner, but better. Yeah. What? Not comparable. <laughs> yeah, anyways. Yes, yeah. comparable in that they are trigger effects and monster cards, and that is where their comparison uh -huh. ends. And and pe people don't know how trigger effects work. And people don't trigger yeah, effects yeah. work, yes. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. We went on a big tangent on trigger effects versus quick effects there. I to, have to say, I feel well, like to explain, now. To explain absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I think we call it a close here. We've we've gone over an hour, and I think we've talked about, you know, I think we got a good good chunk in. So, good luck to those of you competing in YCS in Minneapolis. Um, and and the then, next time we'll be back, we'll be able to discuss the results. Yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, then we can I talk won. about the Ishizu card. <laughs> Let's see. Yay. Probably not. I don't oh, think... If we we can do a whole thirty minute thing about the Ishizu cards and triggering effects as well. Yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. how once Ishizu cards are out, we go up to like chain link twelve every match. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I'd hope not. Ugh, we'll but, see. You know, it'll happen. Well, that good night, everyone.
Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>